Oh God, what Christina and Ryan just sang for us. Just waiting upon You. That You might incline Your ear to us. That we might hope and trust in You. That's the teaching. Help us to get it right here in Scripture over these few moments we have together in Your presence. Through the Spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Can you imagine this happening to you? You're just getting ready to go off to college. Terrorists invade your hometown. Middle of the night, kidnap you straight out of your own bed. Blindfold you, gag you, throw you in the back of a trunk, then the back of a truck, and then the back of a plane. And when they take the blindfold off, you realize you are in a foreign land. And you have been given a foreign name belonging to a foreign God from a foreign religion in a foreign language at a foreign school for a foreign government you are commanded to serve. Some of you who are international students believe that's exactly what happened to you when you came to Andrews University. <laughs> that was the life of Daniel. Daniel. And it is because of Daniel that we run into Gabriel. Because we're not tracking Daniel in this mini spring-summer series. We're tracking Gabriel, the gospel according to Gabriel. Open your Bible, please, to the story of Daniel who gets us to Gabriel. The book of Daniel, chapter 10. You didn't bring a Bible. You, this is a, an extremely dramatic narrative. Pull out the pew Bible in front of you. Let me give you the page number. It's page 604 in your pew Bible. Daniel chapter 10. I'm in the New King James Version. Any translation you have is fine with me. Just glad you brought a Bible. This is part three, a little four-part mini-series. This is part three. Gabriel. We've already seen Gabriel in the teenage virgin Mary. We've seen Gabriel in the elderly priest Zechariah. Now it's Gabriel and Daniel. I wish I could say Daniel, Daniel is young here in, in uh, Daniel chapter 10. He's not. He's 18 in chapter 1. He's 88. He's 88 in chapter 10. Seventy interminable years. Never seeing his parents again. Never going home again. Never to his homeland. Exile. That's what he is. 88 years old. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. It will be the last vision this mighty apocalyptic prophet is given. The last one. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Daniel's been through the kingdom of Babylon. It's fallen. Babylon has fallen, that great city. Now it's the kingdom of Persia. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar, the name of a foreign god, to try to enculturate that young exile into a new community. But Daniel refuses. He takes the name they call him. But he will not surrender his Hebrew name. God is my judge. God is my judge. Daniel. And Daniel writes, the message was true. Verse 1. But the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and that understanding of the vision. As it turns out, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. 
Daniel is now going to receive in chapter 11 and chapter 12 the longest prophecy in all of Holy Scripture, the most comprehensive, the most detailed. At 88 years of age, don't write, how old are you? Don't write yourself off. At 88 years of age, God is ready for the most comprehensive apocalyptic vision ever given to a human being. So don't quit. At 88, you're still going strong. Hang in there. And I like how the NIV puts it here. The message was true. Actually, more accurately uh, renders the Hebrew. The message, its message was true, and it concerned a great war. Boy, I like that. It concerned a great war. Welcome to the human race in life in the third millennium. It concerned a great war. That point is so critical to what Gabriel is about to teach us, because this is the gospel according to Gabriel. Whenever he shows up, there's good news. We're going to find good news. Gabriel's about to show up. But that's, that key is important. Grab your study guide out. Let's, let, let's, let's get the key down, the vital key right here. So reach into your worship bulletin, pull out that study guide. I've got one here. You've got one there. You didn't get, you didn't get a study guide when you came in? Hold your hand up. We've got some great ushers. They're coming your way right now. Hold your hand up. In the balcony, in the sanctuary, hold your hand up. Here they come. They see your hand. Just be patient. They're coming your way. While they're getting the study guide to those who don't have one, we're delighted to have you who are watching on television right now on the screen. Some of you are live streaming across the nation right now. We're glad to have you. You can get the same study guide. You know the drill. If you've done this before, go to our website. Let me put it on the screen for you. You'll see it there, www.pmchurch.tv www.pmchurch.tv You're looking for the mini-series, The Gospel According to Gabriel. This is part three. You're looking for the word study guide under part three. Boom, you'll have it. Let's jot it down. we got to go. Daniel 10, jot this down. Daniel 10 is the introduction to the longest and most comprehensive prophecy in the Bible, bar none. Chapter 11 and chapter 12, two-chapter prophecy. Keep your pen moving. It is summarized with this sentence. Here's the line now from the NIV. Its message was true and concerned a great war. Its message was true and concerned a great war. So I go to the Google. I go to Google this week. I say, okay, I want to find out about the great war. Is anybody out there talking about World War III? So I type in World War III. Google gives me 12.9 million references. Didn't have time to look them all up. Found one, though. Caught my eye. Canadian professor. Listen to this. Economist, University of Ottawa Emeritus, released an ebook this spring. Here's the title of his ebook toward a World War III scenario. His name, I'm guessing he's probably from Russia. His name, Mikhail Chosudovsky. He suggests that NATO's pounding of Libya, going on as we speak, is a preemptive strike attempting to eventually bring the entire Middle East into the controlling orbit of the U.S. and NATO. He opines at his website, I'll put his words on the screen here, the U.S. has embarked on a military adventure, a long war, he calls it, which threatens the future of humanity. Well, guess what, Mr. Chosudovsky? There's a longer war than the one you're thinking of. It's also a world war. The entire globe is consumed by this war. The war between the forces of light, the forces of Christ, and the forces of darkness, the fallen Lucifer, Satan. That's the war. I tell you what, this war carries infinitely greater consequences for the human race. 
Because how it goes with you in this war determines your eternal destiny. Seventh-day Adventists have a name for this war. Jot it down in your study guide, will you please? We call this war the Great Controversy. We just read it in Daniel 10, verse 1 in the NIV. It's called the Great War. We call it the Great Controversy. Ellen White, one of the founders of this church, she championed this Great Controversy motif, this theme, which as it turns out, is the the Seventh-day Adventist Church's pivotal contribution to theological thought, the great controversy paradigm. So before we get into the story any further than verse 1, let me put uh, some words written a century ago so that you can get a flavor, so you can get a feel for, for our sense of this great controversy. You have it in your study guide. In fact, you have to fill it in. Let's put the words on the screen. But the plan of redemption, the strategy to save the fallen human race, The plan of redemption had yet a broader and deeper purpose than the salvation of man, humanity. It was not for this alone. See, some people think that Jesus came to this planet just to save the human race. No, 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 no. The Adventist contribution is no, no. It is bigger than the human race. It was not for this alone that Christ came to the earth. It was not merely that the inhabitants of this little world might regard the law of God as it should be regarded. But it was to vindicate the character. Key word. Would you write it in, please? God's character is what's on the line. The fallen Angel, the covering cherub, Gabriel took his place, the fallen Lucifer. His charges are, God isn't the God of love he professes to be. You can't trust God. You can't trust him farther than you can throw him. That's Lucifer's charge. So it's God's character. By the way, before the universe, that's a unique contribution before the universe. We don't believe there's just one little planet. We believe there are numerous worlds loyal to God, only one fallen. As Jesus said, 99 fine, one lost. Keep reading here. The act of Christ in dying, so this is Calvary now, for the salvation of man would not only make heaven accessible to men and women, but before all the universe it would justify, it would vindicate God and His Son in their dealing with the rebellion of Satan. It isn't as He has charged. The slithering serpent is lying to you. That's what it will show. In fact, we have to fill this in. It would establish the perpetuity the eternal nature of the law of God. It just, God's law is His foundation through His government. Why would the law ever come to an end? The Adventist Church, very vigorous in defending the blending of law and grace. Too many Christian communities try to separate law and grace. No more law, only grace. No, no, no. Time out. You throw away law, you've thrown away the very foundation of God. You can't do that. It was a marvel. I tell you what, I wish you'd go on, the, I wish you'd go on YouTube. Type in. Type in. The response of the universe to Calvary. Read this. It was the marvel of all the universe that Christ should humble Himself to save fallen man. They watched the battle between light and darkness as it waxed stronger. And as Christ in His expiring agony upon the cross cried out, It is finished. A shout of triumph. Wouldn't you love to type that in and hear that from cyberspace? The actual recording of that shout of triumph that rings through every world, through heaven itself. The great contest that had been so long in progress in this world was now decided. Christ was the conqueror with one voice. The loyal universe united in extolling the divine administration. End quote. So here's the question. Jesus won at the cross. That's the point. Jesus won at the cross. So why didn't God just go ahead and say, listen, we've got this far. Let's just nuke. Let's just nuke that dastardly enemy. Boom. And all his followers, boom, boom. Why did God just wipe Lucifer out of Calvary? I mean, it's over. Jesus is the conqueror. We just read it. Ah. 
Something yet to be decided within the human heart. Desire of Ages, that devotional classic. Here, put these words on the screen. You have to fill it, fill it out. Yet Satan was not then at the cross destroyed. The angels did not even then understand all that was involved in the great controversy. It's still murky. The principles at stake were to be more fully revealed. And for the sake of man and woman, Satan's existence must be continued. Man as well as angels must see the contrast between the prince of light and the prince of darkness. And here's the key line. He must choose. We must choose whom we will serve. Ladies and gentlemen, write in that word choose because love's highest, most treasured gift, love's most treasured gift is freedom of choice. There isn't a man on this planet who can command a woman to love him. Some of you have tried didn't work. There isn't a God in this universe who can command the human race to love him. He he doesn't even try because he knows love only exists by freedom of choice. Love only exists if I not only have the right to say yes, but I have the right to say no. Man is still choosing just a little while longer. The choice is going on. What's the choice you've made? Have you made a choice yet? Have you made a choice? Whose side are you on? Daniel reads, its message was true and concerned the great war. Well, we've got to keep going. Verse 2. Oh, boy, this is something. In those days, verse 2, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Verse 3, I ate no pleasant food. That would be desserts. You think I'm making that up? Nope, that's what it is. Desserts. Choice food, NIV says. This is because he's going on a modified fast. He's not cutting out all desserts, as far as I know. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. That's the Paschal Supper. That's Passover. You have the lamb and you have the wine, the grape juice. Those always went together. He said, I I cut out celebrating anything. So no meat or wine, but lamb. Nor did I anoint myself at all. That today would be saying, I did not bathe. They used oils back then. Till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Something's going on. Something is going on in Daniel's mind. He's gotten some bad news. He's desperately concerned about it. And so Daniel does what is so characteristic of Daniel in this entire book. And I just love this. Whenever Daniel runs headlong, face to face with a crisis, he goes to his knees. Would you jot that down, please? Whenever he's faced with a crisis, Daniel goes to his knees. May I remind you of all the crises he has faced in this book. 70 in 70 years of exile. What are the crises? There's a crisis over diet. That's chapter 1. Jot that down. Crisis over diet. Chapter 1. Chapter 2. Crisis over a dream. Chapter 6. The lion's den. Crisis over a decree. Chapter 9. The great prophecy about the Jewish people. Crisis over a decision. What's God's decision for His people? And finally, chapter 10, where we are, where we are at right now. Crisis over a deliverance. Come on. Some of you are going through a crisis right now, aren't you? Nobody knows about it. And maybe nobody has to know. So don't feel bad about not telling anybody. But you're going through a personal crisis right now. How are you handling it? You know the strategy of Daniel? Faces a crisis, he goes to his knees. Some of you are praying. You've been praying for, I don't know how long you've been praying, but you have been praying and praying and praying. Listen, take a, take a page out of Daniel's playbook. Don't stop praying now. Watch. Keep praying. I, I shared a book with my uh, preaching class uh, this spring at the seminary. 
brand new book came out by G. Kent Edwards called Deep Preaching. He makes an interesting point. I'm going to pass it on to you because Daniel here is going through a modified fast. He's not totally uh, leaving off uh, uh, food and drink. And by the way, Daniel is not going into the fast thinking he might impress God with his great passion and earnestness. No, you never go into a fast for that. God's not impressed. I said, I'm not into that kind of fast. But, and here's what G. Kent Edwards pointed out, and this was helpful for me. When humans are in a crisis, what do we naturally do, most of us? We eat less. Isn't that right? Yeah. If, you, if, if, if your child, if your child, because we're a little older audience uh, in the summer, if your child is in a moment of medical crisis, are you thinking about going out to a restaurant tonight? Are you thinking about eating any food at all? No, you stop eating. Why? I'm in a crisis right now. Food will interrupt my focus on this crisis. That was very helpful for me, Ken Edwards. Crisis is not some little thing you try to... You, I mean, fasting is not some little thing you try to engender. Well, now I'm going to quit eating so that God knows that I'm really cool. No, it's not, nothing about that at all. It's a natural response in a crisis. I quit eating. I'm focused. My mind is focused on what I'm facing. That's just a natural human response. Daniel goes through a modified fast. Verse 4. So, he's nearing now the end of the 21 days. And on the 24th day of the first month, that's not the 24th day of his fast, it's just the date. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, still there today in, in, uh, in Iraq, I lifted my eyes and I looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. Verse 6, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. You know what's just happened? Daniel has been granted a vision of almighty God. How do we know? Because Ezekiel 1, Revelation 1, corroborate. This is the description. This is, this is the description. Let me tell you, you, you can look up Ezekiel 1 in your own time, but uh, take a look at Revelation 1. I'll just, I'll just run this by on the screen and your study guide. The, 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 stun, the, the striking parallels between Daniel and John in their two visions. Daniel 10, Revelation 1. Jot this down, will you? Amazing. Both men are in their late 80s. Write that down. Both are in their late 80s. Daniel's 88. We don't know John's age, but he's nearing the end of the century. Both are in their late 80s. Both are in exile. Both of them are in exile. Amazing. The two great apocalyptic books were authored by people with this similar. Both are beside the water. They're both beside the water. Agency and the Tigris River. They're both beside water. Number four, both received their vision on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. Look at verse 2. We read just a moment ago, Daniel 10, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Now, the Hebrew reads three sevens of days. Three sevens of days. That means the, the third sevens goes all the way to the end. And it's on the 21st day that he gets in response. It's on the Sabbath when this vision comes. Now, John, Revelation 1.10, he put his words on the screen. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. That's all we need to see. The Bible is absolutely clear which day, the, which day is the Lord's Day. There's only one day God claims. Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, verse 20, Son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, 
the pre-incarnate Christ, speaking to Isaiah, Isaiah 58, verse 13, he says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. The Sabbath is God's day. It's the only day, he says, is mine. Both of them receive a vision on the Sabbath. Keep writing. This is striking parallel number, number five. Both are visited personally by Christ. Isn't that something? Both. Elderly men. The descriptions in Daniel 10 and Revelation 1 are too similar. Christ comes to these two dear elderly friends of His. And you know what? We've been talking with uh, Pastor Radley on board now. We're, we're talking about this church that is focused on the young. The truth is, here's the truth. The older you get, the closer you may grow to Jesus. When we were putting the PowerPoint together yesterday, I had the older you get, the, the closer you grow with Jesus. But then wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because people grow old doesn't mean they get close to Jesus. You have to be intentional about getting close to Jesus. The older you get, the closer you may grow. This congregation devoted to 3,500 who are young. I want to say a word to those of you who are not so young. The older you get, the closer you may grow to Jesus. Affirm your age. Affirm the maturity that God has built in your life spiritually. Don't ever denigrate yourself. Don't ever say, I'm just not like the kids. You don't need to be like the kids. The kids want you to be you just as you are. Elderly, elderly friend of Jesus. Number six, both fall on their faces. Isn't this amazing? The, 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 the striking parallels. They both fall on their faces. And by the way, finally number seven, they both hear the words, Do not be afraid. <laughs> My. I love those words, by the way. Here we are facing a great war in the third millennium. We're looking at the end of this war now. We're not looking at the beginning of the war. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are living at the end of the war. But here comes the word, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, Daniel's seen a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ. But, verse 10, pick it up now, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, and that's not Christ. This is Gabriel. Gabriel now enters the story. You'll see why we know it's Gabriel. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he, Gabriel, said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. This is Gabriel. And we know it's Gabriel, number one, because it's the language of a divine emissary. I have been sent to you. The throne sent me to you. The language of a divine emissary. And number two, he uses a moniker that only Gabriel uses when he talks to Daniel. Man greatly beloved. How'd you like to have a nickname in heaven? They, whenever they talk about you in heaven, say, hey, you know her? The woman greatly beloved. Wouldn't that be a great nickname to have in heaven? Gabriel says, I've come, beloved one. You say, oh, Dwight, that's not me. Oh, Jesus said, God said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He says that of every child. Every child. He's pleased when you turn to Him as the Father. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. You greatly beloved one. So we know it's Gabriel. In fact, if you turn back here to uh, Daniel 9, just turn one page. I just want to hear a couple verses here. Daniel is in deep, deep prayer also in chapter 9. The, the man prays. The man prays. This is verse 21. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel. See, we know it's Gabriel. Gabriel means man of God, strong man of God. The man Gabriel, of course, it's the angel that took Lucifer's place, as we noted in the first part of this series. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening's offering. That would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Verse, tw verse 23, 
And he said, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, I've come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. That's Gabriel. He loves to call Daniel the beloved one. We know it's Gabriel. Now, the plot thickens. This is something. Now, this is the most significant portion. It's the last piece. Verse 12. Then he, Gabriel, said to me, do not fear. By the way, those are Gabriel's favorite words in the New Testament. When he comes to Mary, the virgin, he says, do not be afraid. When he comes to the elderly Zachariah, he said, don't be afraid. When he meets the shepherds outside of Bethlehem, his first words, do not be afraid. He loves those words, do not be afraid. He doesn't want us to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Twenty-one days ago we heard you praying. And I have come because of your words. But, this is the key now, one of the most unusual texts in the Scripture. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings, these dark kings of Persia. Now, Daniel, verse 14... I have come, now that Michael's here, I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. There is no other passage in all of Scripture that so graphically draws the veil aside so that we might see this great W-A-R, war between heaven and earth. It's going 24-7 all around us. What's Gabriel saying? Hey, Daniel, we we, we heard you praying 21 days ago. And I was assigned by God to bring a response to you, but I couldn't because the dark king of Persia opposed me for three weeks now. It's been hand-to-hand with that dark king, but hallelujah, Daniel, Michael just got there. And because Michael's here, I'm free now. Twenty-one days after we heard you, I'm free to come and tell you the answer to your prayer. Boy, I'll tell you what, this, this, this picture of warfare praying is so stunning in closing, I want you to write these seven down. Write them down fast, fast. Here they come. Seven, seven key descriptors. Here's what happens when you enter into warfare praying. Some of you are going to be called by God into warfare praying. You say, Dwight, what kind of praying is that? That's praying in the midst of the great war. Any praying you do now that's intense and focused and passionate, that's warfare praying. Now I lay me down to sleep is not warfare praying. Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. That's not warfare praying. Warfare praying is intense. Your mind is focused on it. You are desperate for God to intervene. That's warfare praying. Seven stunning realities of warfare praying. Jot them down, then I'll sit down. Number one, God hears our prayers immediately. Isn't that amazing? Daniel, Gabriel said, hey, the moment you started, he does that both in nine and ten. The moment you started, I came. I came. The word went out. We heard you. 21 days ago we heard you. You ever watch these newscasts from overseas? Don't you love watching the evening news? And so these newscasts from overseas, and the guy's in Afghanistan or he's in Iraq or who knows where, but he's talking to the anchor back in New York. All right, so the anchor says, hey, tell us about what's happening in Iraq. Well, tell him. Come on, he's asked you a question. Oh, Iraq, yes, because there's that satellite delay. There's no delay with God instantaneous. You pray to God, boom, no three-second hold while we interpret this prayer to see if it's one we want to let through. It all goes through instantly. Stunning truth number one, God hears our prayers immediately. Stunning truth number two, God responds to our prayers accordingly. As soon as he heard Daniel's petition, God responded. Does that mean I get instantly what I asked for? Of course not. Did Daniel? No. 
Fact is, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes I'm praying the wrong prayer. Sometimes I'm praying the wrong calendar. God says, I'm on a different calendar. Do I just hate to tell you it's a little different than the one you have? Sometimes I'm praying in the midst of war. I have no idea I'm in the midst of war. But there's a battle going on around me, and God says, I couldn't get through. God hears immediately, but he responds accordingly, according as, as his will deems best for me. All right, number three, God's angel. I love this. God's angel brings God's answer. Don't you wish we all got Gabriel every time we prayed? Whoa, Gabriel. Thank you. We don't. Very few people get Gabriel. People that are marked by heaven for strategic, so strategic, they can't risk. They can't risk losing that human. We don't get Gabriel, but we all get angels. Elijah running in in the throes of depression. Elijah is fleeing for his life. And what does God do? Here comes an angel. Bread and water. Boom, right there. Elijah, I brought food. You need food? Angel will provide. You need deliverance? Talk to Daniel. Oh, king, God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. You need deliverance? God sends an angel. You need protection? Paul is standing on the heaving, on the heaving deck of that little skiff in the stormy Mediterranean. He says, hey, guys, I know you haven't eaten in a while, but uh, I just, the angel of God showed up last night and told me we're all going to be fine. Protection. Miracles. The miracles are performed through angels. Jesus' miracles were performed through angels. Through this into your study guide for you. Desire of Ages, page 143. The angels of God are ever passing from earth to heaven and from heaven to earth. The miracles of Christ. Whoa. For the afflicted and suffering were wrought by the power of God through the ministration of the angels. Isn't that something? Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, I've got, I can handle this. Nope. He deferred all of his... He's still God, but he deferred the use of his divine power. He just put it off to the side. Never touched it. Never touched it. When he needed help, God says, Gabriel, you're his guardian angel. Because we learned that earlier. You're his guardian angel. You know what to do. Leper, be cleansed. Gabriel. Just like that. All of his miracles were done through angels. By the way, look at the last sentence. Don't miss that. And it is through Christ, by the ministration of his heavenly messengers, that every blessing comes from God to us. Number four, God's enemy thwarts God's response. Write that down. Boy, do we pick that up in Daniel 10 or what? The veil is drawn aside. We see this great war. There is Satan countermanding, counterattacking. It's like a chessboard. God moves here, Satan moves here. God moves here, Satan moves here. God moves here, Satan moves here. Every move of God is countermanded, counterattacked by the fallen Lucifer. We're in a war, ladies and gentlemen. Did you think this namby-pamby praying is going to get you through what's ahead? It won't get you through. You need warfare praying. Remember, there is an enemy. There is an enemy who thwarts God's purposes. And by the way, because it's, taking, because it's wartime, you can't quit. You cannot quit. Jot this down. Number five, God's friend keeps on praying. You don't see the chessboard. You think it's just you. You think you're the king on this chessboard. You think the whole game is about you. It's not all about you. There's a queen. There's a bishop. There's a pawn. There are all the players. And everybody's moving a player. You're one of them, but not all of them. Sometimes to deal with that pawn, I'm going to have to work around you for a while. I haven't forgotten you. We're at work. We're at war. Wow. 21 days, Daniel fasts and prays for divine intervention. It took 21 days with the great war raging over the mind of Cyrus to achieve a breakthrough. Now, here's the question. What if Daniel had quit after three days? Hey, you know what? Three days is up. <laughs> Anything happen? No, I'm not doing this. This is fasting and prayer stuff. It doesn't work. What if he had quit after three days? What if he had quit after 15 days? 
What if Daniel had quit after 20 days? I'm tired. I'm just tired hanging in there. 21 days. God says, we just broke through. We just broke through. Thank you for giving us permission to stay at work. Wow. First Thessalonians, how does that go? First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why you can't stop. Some of you have been praying for a lost child for how many years? How many years have you been praying for that lost child? You cannot stop praying for that child until that child is in heaven with you. Until you're dead. You pray and you pray and you pray. You never stop praying. What is the will of God? Look at this. I love this. Luke 12, 32. Red letter words. Jesus speaking. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not like, oh, I don't want to do this. No, I don't understand that one. No, I don't like that idea. No, He wants to give you, he wants to give you the entire kingdom. Keep praying. Keep praying. Number six. Jot it down. There are only seven of these. God's champion shows up. Make sure it's a capital C when you write the word champion. God's champion shows up. Keep on praying until Michael steps into your battle. That's the point. And who is this Michael? Who's this Michael? You know who the Michael is, don't you? Those of you, let me just refresh your memory. The name Michael means who is like God. It can be a question, who is like God? Or it can be a challenge, yo, who is like God? It's not you. Lucifer, it's not you. Who is like God? I, Michael. Daniel 13, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, Jacques Ducan, my friend. It says the Hebrew really can be read here where it says, he's, it says of Michael, he's one of the chief princes. Dukan says, no, 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 no. He is, how's he have it here? He is the first of the chief princes. He's the numero uno, as they say in Portuguese. Just want to see if Brazil's listening. All right. So keep praying. Here's the point. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. The champion will show up. By the way, this Michael, Jude 9, Michael is called the archangel. Jude 9, Michael is called the archangel. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, the voice of the archangel raises the dead. And John 5, 28, Jesus says, it's my voice that raises the dead. Jesus is Michael. Michael is the pre-incarnate Christ. By the way, I didn't come up with that. The brilliant Protestant reformer. Jot it down, will you? Philip Melanchthon. He was the brains behind Luther's Reformation. The Protestant reformer Melanchthon concluded that Michael is none other than the pre-incarnate Christ. That's who he is. Keep your pen moving. By the way, Michael only appears in apocalyptic literature. That would be Daniel, Jude, and Revelation. That's the old, those are the only books he appears in the Bible. And he only appears when there is a battle between the forces of light and darkness. And whenever he shows up, write this down, he wins. Every time he shows up, he wins. <laughs> he wins. When Michael steps into this fray... You've got to keep praying until Michael steps in. When Michael steps into this fray, he wins every single time. He wins. No wonder the devil doesn't want you to pray so long until you bring Michael into this because you're going to spoil my part. Number seven, jot it down. Seven stunning, stunning truths regarding warfare, great war praying. Number seven, God's kingdom advances. That's what happens. When warfare praying takes place, God moves. That chessboard moves. In God's favor. Wow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we pray. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why we must pray. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why we must pray now. Now we must pray. 
A year ago this week, a year ago this week, we, we said I to Sabbath. Do you remember that? Some of you were here a year ago. A day of fasting and prayer. One year ago, right now, a day of fasting and prayer. Why were we praying? Because the World Church was going to convene in Atlanta. And we were praying to God, be involved in the entire event and lead in the leadership selection process. Guess what? We prayed. Guess what? The leadership selection process went on and a leader was chosen. Hey, we prayed. God answered. And as it turns out, this leader had a burden then and has a burden today. And that burden is for the church to once again experience revival and reformation. That's what this church needs. But you see, we're in a war. Now listen to me carefully. Don't misunderstand me. We are in a war, and that means some people, some people will say, ah, no big deal. There's a little bit of fanaticism. This is a little bit of, you know, backwoodsiness. I'm sophisticated. I'm intelligent. I don't need this kind of revival reformation talk. We are in a war. The devil knows he has the most to lose if the church prays. And so it would be his supreme strategy to keep the church from praying. Would it not? So anybody comes to you and says, you know what? I'm not into this. I'm not into revival and reformation. Let the others go. They're all kind of not as educated as you and I. Are my friends, the most educated. Daniel himself got his degrees in a school outside the church even. Daniel, the brilliant one, knew that in a war you pray. I tell you what. And I review the story of Daniel and Gabriel, the gospel according to Gabriel right here. My own heart and soul are stirred up. You know why? Because I am reminded I too have a part to play. For some mysterious reason that I do not fully understand, God has made His movements on earth contingent with His friends praying to Him. So that what we don't ask for, we don't get unless we pray. He says, I'm, I'm into freedom. I'm into free choice. You don't want it, you won't get it. You want it, ask me. But keep asking. Don't be like a kid at Christmas who sees the Kids R Us catalog December 15 and knows he's waited his whole life because he saw a new picture there. I've got to have this gift. And three days after Christmas, the gift is forgotten. No, ask me. 21 days, Daniel begs God to do something. Ah, listen to this. A hundred years ago, these words are written. If we as a people would pray as Daniel prayed and wrestle as he wrestled, humbling our souls before God, we should realize as marked answers, as significant answers to our petitions as were granted to Daniel, just as supernatural a divine intervention, we would recognize if we wrestled like Daniel wrestled and prayed like Daniel prayed. And so I want to conclude with this earnest appeal. Would you be willing, sincerely, honestly, earnestly, would you be willing to join me in praying as you have never prayed before? What do you you going to ask for? Ask God to do something. To do whatever it takes to ignite this apocalyptic movement, to save the world for such a time as this. I tell you what, that... that, uh, that, that convocation of 4,000 plus Seventh-day Adventist pastors in Brazil for all of South America. 
I, I just came back just shaking my head. I've never seen such, such passion for the growth of the church. The stories, I couldn't believe it. A call porter, they put his video picture up. He's not even a pastor. A call porter who has led 113 people to Christ in baptism. Just because, and he was young. He's in his 30s. I'm thinking, man. If what were happening in, in, in South America could happen in North America, this tepid pace, this numbing lethargy, couldn't God do something to ignite us and rekindle the church for her final mission? Couldn't He do it? But nobody's asking me. Nobody wants it. You're all too busy. You love what you're doing. You're just happy. You're happy to retire just like this. Who cares? I'm waiting for a generation, God says, who will rise up and who will, with the passion of Daniel, wrestle with me, beg me, ask me to revive the church. The revival of true godliness is the greatest of our needs as a third millennial church. Wow. It's the story of Daniel. So that's my appeal to you. Would you please pray more? That's my appeal. Would you please pray more? That means if you're praying five minutes a day now, would you double it to ten? Nobody knows how much you're praying. So this is just you and God. God, I'm doing five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. I'm doubling it to ten. Would you? You're praying an hour a day. Would you make it two hours a day? Would you be willing to pray more? Say, do I want to pray in my more time? Let's make this, let's make Daniel 10 what we pray in the more time. God, our church, your movement, the world, we're in war. God. Halt the advance of darkness. Save the lost. And revive the church. Use the more time to pray for revival and reformation. There have been now growing across the planet who are praying that prayer. Those of you who are watching who aren't the Seventh-day Adventists, you know you can pray the same prayer. Of course, it's all of our prayer. When Acts 4, by the way, when the church in Acts 4 senses a crisis and they go to prayer, do you know what they ask for? They ask for revival. They pray for revival. Read Acts 4 sometime. They're praying for revival. It's not hokey pokey. It's what you do when you're in trouble. God, pour out your spirit. We want signs and wonders to catch the attention of a dying planet and a lost civilization. Pray. Pray. Pray more. Pray more. Pray more. You're not praying for me. You're not praying for this church. You're praying for the sake of God's kingdom on this planet. Pray. Pray more. Pray more, please. Please. Why wouldn't you pray more? Huh? I want to sing a song with you. It's a militant song. I love it. Got the words right here. Open your, open your hymnal to 616. I want to read just a few of these words with you. We're going to, then we'll stand and sing this. It's a short little hymn, but oh boy, is this what, is this what uh, great war praying is all about? 616, soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through His eternal Son. Do you have it there? Open it up. I want you to see this because the, because the third stanza is straight out of Daniel 10. Watch this. Stanza number three. From strength to strength go on, wrestle and fight and pray. If we would wrestle as Daniel wrestled, if we would pray as Daniel prayed, we read that just a moment ago, Isn't that something? Wrestle and fight and pray. Tread all the powers of darkness down and win, win the well-fought day. Soldier of Christ, arise. Pray. Pray more than you have ever prayed before. Let's 
Let's have that short introduction, and I want you to stand right now, and let's just start singing. Let's sing this. please, as we have sung from strength to strength, let us go on wrestling, fighting, and praying, treading all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day. Dear God, Daniel 10 and the third millennium, we are there. Please call us to pray more. Dear Father, invite us to pray more. May the Holy Spirit move upon our minds and our hearts so that we might pray more daily. We are in the great war. We know the outcome. And we wish to be on the winning side in Christ Jesus. So call us too. Pray more. And now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.